Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed, uh, one of the advisors at McNamara Financial, uh, joined by Mike McNamara uh, down in sunny southwest Florida. Good morning again, Mike. Well, one of the senior advisors. You know, senior just, advisors. Okay. Just a thought. Just, I, I mean, you look older now, so it's okay. Yeah. I do. So, wait, who was <laughs> the senior advisor? Me or you? No, you could say you're one of the senior advisors. Oh, okay. We could be, mul- be multiples depending on definition. I know? see. Okay. I'll be, uh, I'm a principal. How about that? Hey, that sounds even better. Oh, I, used to okay. be one of those, I used to be one of those too. Okay. <laughs> so, Mo- moving along. Moving along. All right. So, this morning, you know, we've kind of been setting the stage for getting into, you know, investment returns. We haven't quite got there, but we're, you know, we're setting the stage as far as, you know, what do you need to earn uh, on your money to, to reach uh, various goals? You know, number one, retirement, number two, college. Um, just as a you know a couple of major ones, uh, right before the break, uh, we were kind of getting into a couple of you know vehicles, investment vehicles for uh, saving for college. Uh, we chatted briefly about uh, a UTMA, uh, which is a Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, uh, and then we were also talking about uh, a 529 uh, college savings plan. Um, so we kind of got cut off there on the 529. So just to kind of reiterate. Um, Basically, you know, you're investing, you know, after-tax dollars uh, into, um, you know, you can basically select how you want to invest them. Um, you know, typically it's mutual funds, you know, stock mutual funds, bond mutual funds, of various, you know, investment types, you know, U.S. stocks, international stocks, um, uh, U.S. bonds, uh, international bonds, et cetera. Um, the money grows tax-deferred. And assuming it gets used for, you know, a qualified expense, uh, meaning, you know, most, you know, most college uh, expenses uh, and or potentially, um, you know, high school, um, that then the money comes out tax free. Um, and so that's a pretty cool thing uh, when you can grow some, you know, fairly significant dollars and, and not have to pay any taxes on that on that growth. Um, we'll get into the investment choices, I think, a little bit further, or did you want to jump into that now, Mike? No, we're almost there. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, And then, you know, a third option, right, is just like a a brokerage account. Um, You know, so if it's a a husband and wife or or whatever it may be, you know, you can open either an individual uh, brokerage account or a jointly owned brokerage account where basically you can, you know, save after-tax dollars and invest them, you know, however you may choose. Uh, and that, you know, that money could be used for college or it could be used for retirement or, or anything. Um, you know, so that option is, is probably, you know, gives you probably the most flexibility, uh, but it's, you know, that you're not going to have the same tax benefits uh, that you would uh, with the UTMA or, or the 529. Uh, so those are, you know, basically 
the three, you know, the three choices that we would discuss with somebody uh, when they when they ask us about you know saving for college. Alrighty, so uh, now we can start to get into some of the investment stuff. And folks, hopefully you figured out that you need to have a plan and some numbers in your head before you get to the investment stuff, so so that you can use the investment stuff properly. Anyway, uh, so. Uh, this is a quick thumbnail, Kirk. So I'm going to do one of my lightning micro summaries to to get people excited or depressed here. Okay. Are you ready? So yeah. so what so what what should we invest our money in? Whether it's retirement or whether it's uh, college. Okay. Well, should, can we do savings, cash? And the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> right right now the the uh, average savings account in the country is about 0.7 now. I think or 0.75 percent. Mm. Uh, by the way, yes, they're raising interest rates, folks, but it's on your mortgage and your loans and your charge cards. It's, it's not on your savings account. And oh, by the way, let's see, if you're earning 0.7% on your savings and inflation is 7%, not 07 how you doing? So mm-hmm. n- n- not a good idea to put, uh, put your investments in a savings account. That's why it's called savings, not investment. Okay, bonds. Okay, we have a new world for bonds. The short answer is... No, or not many in your portfolio. We'll get to bond returns here shortly. But the, the bottom line is that, okay, uh, it is, it's been very difficult for many times in history for the return on bonds to actually outpace inflation. Uh, and uh, for the last three or four years, that has certainly been the case, and I would expect that to continue. So I, I would think that bonds would be maybe a small portion of your portfolio. And then we get to that in a little while. But if you're going to go bonkers with bonds, I think you're going to be unhappy. They might sound safe, but they're generally uh, not going to be good performers. Should you own stocks? Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, and depending on your age and circumstances, lots of them on for a long time. Uh, but individual stocks? No, we don't We don't recommend that. Uh, you're much better off in, in the world if you're going to own your stocks in large quantities, as in the form of a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund. So, so st- stocks have, have uh, made money over time, if you had enough time and didn't mind the excitement. Okay. Uh, and over the long run, there haven't been too many things better than that. Uh, the, the last possibility is real estate. Um, we, we don't, we do not do uh, private real estate stuff in our business. Uh, for most folks to go out and buy their own property and manage it and consider it an investment or do this or that, uh, it's a, n- not a high probability event from a financial point of view. Uh, there's nothing wrong with owning some real estate that lots of time and lots of money won't fix if uh, something bad happens. Uh, and it's illiquid. Uh, you may not be able to sell an individual property and there's a bunch of risk. So, so I, we would generally discourage real estate, individual real estate managed by folks who don't know much about real estate, which would be most of the folks listening to us given the circumstances here. So, you know, what we think you should do is probably have a, a diversified mixture of stocks and bonds uh, in a portfolio and the percentage, uh, you know, due to balance or, or match the circumstances. And we'll get to that a little bit later on sort of a thing. But anyway, uh, literally stocks, maybe some bonds a little bit, and and you can maybe mix some uh, real estate mutual funds in there if you have a hankering. But that's kind of the way we think most people should travel. All right. So, so let's get to, so you finally figured out how much you can save and how much you need to earn this money. 
Okay, so good. So I, I want to, uh, you know, my question is, well, if you got to earn 92% a year on your money, maybe that's unreasonable, you know, sort of a thing. Okay, so I, I wanted to give some folks some idea of history of investment returns. And uh, if you're an investor, uh, I'm very comfortable saying that if you have enough time and a backup plan, okay, to for money, because it's not a good time to take your money out of your portfolio, you'll probably do okay in the world sort of a thing. So I, I don't think if, if you have enough time and if you have two or three years worth of money, you can get your hands on during bad market times. I think you have the, the qualifications financially to be a good investor and hopefully have some success. And I wanted to kind of point out that the time piece of that, which is kind of interesting. So, all right. So Kirk, I'm going to see how much you actually read this outline that I sent you a okay. day ago, two ago. So are you, are you ready for the quiz here? Sure. Okay. So for, if you probably have it right in front of you anyway. So I might, okay. I may or may not. Yeah. All right. You can, if you if, don't peek. Okay. Uh, so anyway, okay. So, um, so this is standard and poor's 500 returns. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it was uh, as of April 18th, not that it makes much difference, but you know, nine or 10 days ago. Okay. So take a guess going backwards returns on the S and P 500. For, for how long? For three years. Over the past three years. Uh, well, I know we're down. We're down a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll say 12%. Ah, you didn't read that stuff. 16.72%. Okay. okay. All right. Going backwards from today, the U.S. stock market, including, well, going backwards from April 18th. I apologize. Okay. Five-year returns looking backwards. All stocks. S&P 500. Five years. Um well, what did I say? Twelve. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with. I'll stay with my number. I'll because I feel like it's been it's been pretty good. I'll say twelve again. Fifteen point four seven. Okay. All right. Ten years from April eighteenth. Well, the longer we get, I'm going to assume it's going to get you know tighten up a little bit. Um, I'll I'll say ten. Fourteen point four seven. Wow, it's been really good well, for a long time, well, huh? It, yeah. It's obvious we ought to put all our money in stocks and hope for fifteen percent return. Right. No worries. Right. Okay. Well, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe a few worries. Okay, folks. If you're ju just looking for the last eight or ten years, even with what's going on now, and even with the uh, COVID mess for a quarter in 2020, those are stupendous returns. But if you think that you're going to use a plan to earn 15% on your U.S. stocks for the rest of your life, you might be disappointed. Okay, Kirk, here we go. From December of 2000 to December of 2009. Okay. Basically 10 years from 2000. From 2000 to 2009? What, what so two, I'm sorry, 10 years, 2010. So 10 years. Okay, starting in the year 2000, S&P 500 return, those 10 years. 8%. Uh, 0 0.82%. What? Percent. What? December 2000, 10 years, 0.82%. By the way, from December 2000 to December... 2020 stock market return. Uh, I'll, I'll say eight again. 
That's the closest you've been, 7.28. Okay. okay. So let me think about this. Do you want to use 15%? Because that's what it's been for the last 10 years. Hmm? Do you want to use 0.8%? Because that's what it was for, from a mess, okay, between 2000 and 2010. Or do you want to use 7%? Okay, in those 20 years. Okay, so pick a return, folks, because those are numbers depending on when you look at it. Okay, um, my, my comment is uh, that I, I would guess the 7% return. And by the way, our guess as a firm is between 7% and 9% per year. That's a guess, folks. Let me be really crystal clear about that. But let me explain that. So, Kirk, that 20 years from 2000 to 2020, in that 20 years, we had the two worst stock markets we've ever had, one of them beginning in the year 2000 mm. and the other one beginning in the year 2028, or 2008. And so if over those 20 years with the two worst stock markets, you got like a 7.28% return I would use that as kind of a middle of the road. I wouldn't use 15 mm -mm. and I wouldn't use 0.8 sort of a thing. People, you, you, I guess you're going to have to use whatever you think you should use given the circumstances. But, but time can be pre pretty interesting about how that. So those are stock returns from our little history, folks. All right. So now, and this is going to be fun. We're going to do bond returns. Mm. Ooh, okay. So... Bond returns, Kirk, from f looking backwards from April 18th of this year, three years. Return of the U.S. bond market for the last three years. Well, I know they're down. Uh, I know it's down year to date. Uh, I'll say, I don't know, like two and a half percent. Zero point eight six percent per year for the last three years. The United States bond market. Over the past three years, about 1%. Okay. Yeah. How about the last five years? Uh, I'm going to guess a little bit higher. Uh, so maybe like two? 1.33. Okay. How about for the last 10 years? I'll go back to two and a half. 1.86. 1.86. So let's see. In the last 10 years, stocks look like all-star performers and bonds look terrible. All right. I don't know. I don't know if you make your future guesses about that uh, based on those numbers. So, all right, Kirk. Here's another one. Now, this is this is kind of a cool number. It, it's for it's it's a an annualized ten year return on bonds. Okay. Okay. So from 1980 to 2010, that's 30 years. If every one of those years you looked back 10 years and figured out what the average 10-year return on, on the U.S. bond market, that's a pretty good average for a whole long time of a whole bunch of different time frames sort of a thing. So, mm -hmm. so the annualized 10-year bond return, okay, from 1990 to 2010. Take a guess. So these would be, <clears throat> this would be with falling rates, right? Rates would have been... Uh, well, most, uh, let's see. Well, not uh, basically, hang on a second. No, not in 1980. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Rates yep. were you high know. in the 80s yep, and, yep. and kind yep. of falling. So, yep. Um, I'll say maybe like a five and a half. 8.5% per year. Okay. So, so again, folks, 
in 20, uh, so let me, so in, uh, in 1980, you look backwards for 10 years, the average is this. In 1981, you look backwards for 10 years, the average is that. If you look backwards over those literally from 1980 to 20, 30 years, every 10 years, bond market averaged 8.5%. Well, but wait a minute, in the last decade, it's been 1.86, hmm. which, which number do I use? Okay. There's some disparity uh, there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so you know, how is an investor to, to make a, a guess about where you put your money? Um, I, I, that, that's, uh, we'll come back to, well, we can talk about that now. Okay. Uh, fo folks, generally speaking, in an atmosphere where, where interest rates fall, folks who own bonds do okay and sometimes pretty well generally speaking in an atmosphere when interest rates rise bond investors don't do so well uh and generally speaking if interest rates never went anywhere you'd get whatever the return was and it would stay the same forever on bonds um we we, we happen to be it's pretty easy to say in a rising interest rate environment uh i think those 10-year bond returns of 1.86 they're probably not going to get much higher for the next five or ten years just kind of that's a guess folks uh who knows but you know th these aren't your grandfather's bonds i guess in terms of if you think they're comfortable or you think you're gonna make a bunch of money in your bonds kind of given the circumstances okay so um let's see i've got some real estate uh market numbers and i believe i'm not sure where i got them from kirk i'll have to double check but i i didn't i didn't make them up okay uh from 2000 to 2010 3.1 percent from 2000 to 2020 4.16 percent from 1970 to 1980, 8.9%. From 1970 to 1990, 6%. Okay, uh, all over the map, but not as broad of a discrepancy. Uh, fo folks, real estate's a good investment if you have enough time and if you have money, enough money to take care of things or if you bought it at a high price to wait for it to recover, sort of a thing. But real estate is something most people have to do on their own. Okay, uh, and that becomes really scary and a bunch more risky than doing it, uh, you know, in terms of a mutual fund or something so, like that. So, Mike, Mike, anyway. Mike, on the um, on those real estate numbers that you were just yeah. um, referencing there, are those for like real estate, like investment trusts, like like mutual yeah. funds or Commer commercial? Yeah, yeah, commercial real estate type stuff. That, okay. that's exactly correct. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, and by the way, if you're thinking uh, about cash or CDs, I think we said don't bother with that. Okay, for a while, uh, the, the return on cash, savings, money market funds is less than 1%. What was inflation the last year? Eight, how you doing? Not, not well, right. kind of given the circumstances. Okay, so, so folks, you're probably gonna have to own a bunch of stocks to get whatever return you're hoping for. Uh, and, and, you know, we would tell folks that our guess for the, the next few years to come was somewhere between seven and 9% which is pretty much in the middle of the 15 for the last 10 years uh, and the, the almost zero for the 10 years that ended 2000 to 2000, pick, pick a return. You know, that, that's how it goes folks. But our guess would be seven to nine. Don't quote us on that. And uh, so, so those are just some returns that kind of shows you, okay, um, how, how things change time-wise. Now, Kirk, I have some, some other numbers that I think are pretty cool, okay, uh, about 
time. I said, you know, if you have enough time, you might be okay, sort of a thing. So uh, in, in the numbers I'm going to give you, we have some software that we can use to backtest portfolios. It's a free software program that's on my computer screen. But if I look at it, I'll get rid of the Zoom call and I don't want to lose you. But the bottom line is, Kirk, I took a 60% U.S. stock market portfolio and a 40% U.S. bond market portfolio. That was it. Okay. S&P 500 in the U.S. bond market. Okay. And, and we're going to look at returns from that over different times. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. From uh, 2000 to 2010, a 60% stock, a 40% bond portfolio. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. No. From 2000 to 2008. Uh, a 60-40 from 2000 to 2008. Um, yeah. 5%. 1.21. 1.21. So if you needed to cash out, of your retirement or your college fund in 2008, you didn't get much of a return. No. Okay. No. Yeah. There, there you go. No. Okay. So wait a minute now. How about 2000 to 2010? Two more years. Uh, 4%. 3.77. Better. Mm. Okay. So by the way, if you had to go get your college funds, in 2008 that earned 121, if you had some emergency reserves or if you borrowed some money against your home equity line for two years, two years later, it was almost up to four. You took it out and you're a lot better off. Right. I said time and a backup plan. Right. Okay. Okay. So by the way, let's same, same portfolio, 2000 to 2020, 20 years. 2000, uh, I'll say 6%. 6.61. Oh, I'm getting better at this. You are. And I, well, and the, we, lo the, lo the longer route you go, it's easier. We, right? have, we have about two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. And then uh, 2000 to 2021, I just added an next year and it was like 7%. Okay. Okay. So, so folks. Yeah. 21 okay, was a good year. Yeah. 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 Those ups and downs. Okay. Can be, you know, if you're just looking at stocks, you know, we were up to 15 and we were down a bunch. Okay. Uh, but if you mix them up in a diversified portfolio, which is what we did, they go up and down, but not quite as much. And most folks can't afford that volatility if you get it at the right time or the wrong time, I should say, sort of thing. So, so if, if you have enough time to give it a chance to work and a backup plan, a plan B to go there temporarily for a year or two or three and then replace it when things get better, you're at least in a better place to be okay about that. That's all. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, yep, those are some history for returns. Uh, and, and I think when we come back, we're getting close to break. Yeah, we should, we should probably take a break. Yep. Yeah. Okay. When we get back, we'll give some folks our guesses and get to some fun stuff about standard deviations and volatility and all kinds of scary stuff. I love statistics. Okay. I cannot wait. Uh, okay. We, we, <laughs> we will, we'll be right back in a minute or two. 
This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We are back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed, uh, financial advisor with McNamara Financial, uh, joined by Mike McNamara uh, in sunny southwestern Florida. Uh, good morning again, Mike. How are we doing down there? Hey, just Ducky here. I'm looking forward to this uh, last segment. We're going to get some numbers and some volatility going here, you know? I I. I've been anticipating it for way too long. Uh, I cannot wait. So we've been, you know, we've been talking about. Well, we've been leading up to investment returns. Although we did, we did start getting into it the last segment, uh, as far as perhaps what you can expect, uh, or at least talking about some, you know, historic uh, returns on on various, um, you know, stocks and bonds, and even a, a kind of a traditional sixty forty portfolio. Uh, so all right. So now we're going to talk about. What volatility and standard yep. deviation? Yep. Okay. All right. So put on your statistics hats. All right. Well, before we get there, uh, very quickly, I want to make sure we, we get to this. So, so uh, I, I, I'm going to give folks out there uh, our guesses about what you can earn in various portfolios. Okay. So, can, how much can I earn? Okay. Well, mm -hmm. well. For, first of all, we think that the vast majority of folks out there listening to us should have a globally diverse portfolio of stock and bond mutual funds uh, that gets balanced regularly uh, and that that portfolio over the time of investments gets dropped down uh, to a bit less conservative at different times as you get closer to retirement or college. Okay. Uh, and if you have a diversified portfolio, we can pretty much guarantee it that you'll never hit a home run and make huge returns. And we can't guarantee it, but we're pretty comfortable that you'll never get killed, okay, in a downturn uh, because you have a diversified portfolio and not everything goes down uh, at the same time, given the circumstances. So so we, we think that's how most people should go with most of their money for most of their goals. Uh, our guesses about what you get for a return by the way, Kirk, I, I think they're probably somewhere in the middle of they're not stupidly high and they're not stupidly low. They, they didn't predict the, the, the greatest future in the world and they didn't predict the end of the world either. And we kind of used some periods of time in history where we think they're good guesses, but but who knows sort of a thing. So, folks, if you, if you own a 100% stock portfolio for a long enough time, at least 10 years and preferably 15 or 20, by the way, we hope that you get a 7 to a 9% return. That didn't work from 2010, from 2000 to 2008, and it didn't work the 10 years from 2000 to 2010. Mm -hmm. But that, that's a guess, 7 to 9% over the long run. If you have a 100% bond portfolio, we think you're good for somewhere going forward between 2 and 4% per year. And by the way, pick an inflation number and see how that return sounds to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, if you have 75% stock 
and 25% bonds, again, globally diversified portfolios, okay? Uh, we think you're hopefully good for or should shoot for a 6 to an 8% per year. And I would tell folks, you should own a portfolio like that for at least seven or eight or nine years to hopefully achieve those non-guaranteed guesses, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, if you have a 60% stock, and a 40% bond strategy, we think you should hope for somewhere between a 5 and a 7% return. And you should have your money in that for at least six or seven years, if not longer. And no, that's not guaranteed either, but we think it's a pretty good guess. Uh, and last but not least, if you have a 40% stock and a 60% bond mixture, I think you should hope for somewhere between a 4 and a 6% return. And that portfolio you have to earn for at least four or five, have to own for at least four or five years, maybe longer to have those chances work. But that's not guaranteed either, which is why you hopefully have plenty of time and a backup plan if you need the money at that period of time. So those are our guesses. We think they're reasonable. We think they're achievable. Uh, you know, the, the reason I, we, we think our guesses are as good as anybody's, and I think the reason we're pretty comfortable with them uh, is that we take those guesses and plug them into people's lives and their financial plans, and that's a pretty awesome responsibility from our point of view to be able to, to, to put some numbers in and guess what folks are going to earn and what their retirements look like. So we, we take that responsibility very seriously. Uh, we're not about to assume the end of the world with our guests and we're not about to assume a hunky-dory world forever and uh, we might be wrong but we're at least comfortable with those guesses and uh, we're pretty serious about them. Kirk, any want to add to that before we get to some other things? Or? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, you know, we have, you know, you kind of have a like a 2% range, right, on on, yeah. on all those portfolios um, because it, you know, it, it, it's so hard to pinpoint a number um, that we want to give a little bit of a, you know, a margin. Um, but yeah, so when we do when we do planning for someone, we typically use the low end of the range, right? Just to be conservative, um, yep. because we because we don't know for sure. Uh, you know, we we do feel you know pretty good about these guesses, uh, but you know, again, just to be conservative, we want to use you know we use the low end of the range, and we can certainly modify it as time goes on, uh, depending as as things go. But um, but we feel it's you know the prudent thing would be um, you know to use the low end of that range just to you know just to be conservative. Already, so let's talk about standard deviation, okay? Folks, this is a, another word for volatility in your portfolio, okay? So um, to get statistically complicated, which I don't do very often, okay, standard deviation is the amount of variability around a mean return. Mm. What's a mean okay. return? Ah, there you go. Okay. I'm, instead of explaining, I'm going to start right off with numbers, folks. Okay. Okay. In my example here, to explain how this works, the mean return is 6%. And that's just an average. That's right. Well, it's, it's sort of an average. It's in the middle. It's not the average. The mean is sort of the midpoint of uh, the weightedness of the return. Okay. It's a little bit different than the average. But anyway, so the, the, we don't need to get into that, folks. All you need to know is mean return is 6. Standard deviation is 10%. Okay? So, folks, here's how this works statistically. Okay? Statistically... 68% of the time, 
okay, in this investment, in this theoretical investment, statistically, the return will be 6% plus or minus one standard deviation. What's that mean? Well, 6% plus 10 is 16. 6% minus 10, okay, uh, is minus four. So for 68% of the time that somebody owns this investment, the return's gonna be somewhere between minus four and plus 16, okay? Okay. Uh, nobody ever has a problem with a plus 16, but some people probably have a problem with a minus four, right? Mm -hmm. Upward volatility is never a problem. Nope. <laughs> it's the downward volatility, nope. but anyway. Okay, well, here's some, some bad news, okay? 95% uh, of the time, Okay, the return will be within two standard deviations. Well, wait a minute. Two standard deviations is 20. Six plus 20 is 26. Oh, I like Yeah, we'll take 26. that. We'll take that. Yeah. Six minus 20 is minus 14. Okay. There's a 5%. If you have a 95% chance, okay, uh, uh, of the return being in that range, that means there's a 5% chance that you got, you, you got that difference from one standard deviation to the other. Whoa, so, so that's a big range, but occasionally you could be looking, okay, at a minus 14 there. That happens maybe 5% of the time. That's just how it is, mm -hmm. okay? It comes with the deal, okay? And then 99% of the time, you'll see that return within three standard deviations. Well, now we're getting scary. Three standard deviations, three times 10 is 30. Six plus 10 is plus 36. Love that plus 36. <laughs> Six uh, minus 30 is minus 24. Okay, so folks, there's a 1% a chance, okay, that you could see a minus 24. And there's also an equal 1% chance that you could see a plus 36, okay? So folks, th these are just statistical science that gives you an idea of how much excitement that you're gonna have in the investment that you own. Okay, uh, and then you ought, to, you ought to pay attention to these to kind of know where that where those numbers can be. When, when you uh, here, here's a news flash for you, your investments don't go straight up every day for the rest of your life. Okay, there are times when they actually go down, and sometimes lots of times when they go actually down. So you ought to have an idea uh, of the volatility of the standard deviation of the level of excitement up and down that comes with your portfolio. And that's what those standard deviation numbers mean. Okay. All right. So here's, here's some standard deviations, uh, in the real world, Kirk from 1992 to 2022 U S stock market standard and poor is 500. Okay. Take a guess of the return, 30 years. I'm beating on you, I know. 30-year return, 1992, 2022. Uh, 8%. 10.73. Okay. By the way, how about the standard deviation for the last 30 years? On on, an all, on all stocks? Yep. Uh, what do we say? Uh, I think we, I think historically we use about like a 16. This is 50, it's 15. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to make the 1073 a 10 because 10 is an even number. Okay. I'm going to make the 1526 a 15. So for the last 30 years, the return in the stock market, one standard deviation, 10% plus 15, 10% minus 15. Two standard deviations, 10% plus 30, 
10% minus 30. Three standard deviations, 10% plus 45, 10% minus 45. Okay, kind of gives you an idea, folks, of how much level to expect because that's what it is. Okay, uh, pr pretty scary stuff when you do the math on that. So, so every investment that you look into comes with a standard deviation uh, and uh, and a return. Now, by the way, returns vary over what period of time that you look at them. We've certainly seen that in terms of the numbers I've quoted, as do standard deviations. Well, you know, you know, if if the market's exceptionally volatile and bad for two or three years standard deviations could go higher. By the way, they could also go, go higher if markets are exceptionally good mm. for two or three years. So, so they're numbers that can, yeah, we think you can earn six and the standard deviation is 10. I'm making this up. Okay, well, that that's a guess based on today's numbers and at least it gets you in the ballpark. But by the way, Kirk, our guesses on our portfolios and their historical standard deviation, but we've been pretty close right. on those things sort of thing. And no, nothing's guaranteed folks. But so the question is how much risk comes along with the return that I have? Uh, and and, and the, the shorter answer is you get to decide whether you're comfortable with that or not. Well, but if you're an investor, hey, and you have to earn a return that's seven, eight or nine, you don't get a choice to be conservative. You have to deal with that volatility and you have to buy stocks, you know? So, you know, the return that you need, okay, has to be realistic. And by the way, you have to be comfortable or tolerable <laughs> mm -hmm. of the, the downness of those returns over time, okay? You have to have enough time to give it at least a fair chance to work and you should have a backup plan so that you can leave that money alone if it's a bad time when you take it out, okay? Uh, and, and these are the things you know, I've been trying to get across to folks here, uh, pr pr pretty important stuff. So, so you, you might want to take a peek at the investments you're considering or your own about what those standard de deviations and mean returns are. They're, they're all available if you're working with a financial advisor. It might be a little harder to get if you're on your own with a mutual fund company or this, that, the other thing. But, but the bottom line is, okay, A, you should have a plan. B, the return that you think you need is based on your savings and a bunch of other things. Okay, hopefully that return that you think you need is achievable. And hopefully that return that you think you need is achievable, you're comfortable with. And then that's all. That's all you got to worry about, Kirk. Right? <laughs> right. And <laughs> given the circumstances, that's okay. it. Right. That's it. Just those. Yeah, just those couple. It. Couple of things. Yeah. We uh, can end. The, we can end the show now. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, but I think I. You know, I think what's cool about when we do put a plan together for somebody is, you know, we can make that. You know, figure out kind of what they need to earn. Yeah. Uh, with with the level of volatility that comes along with that with that earnings potential. And and if we can show somebody that 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 works, then that's a pretty awesome thing. And yep, it sure is. And you know, and, and if it, if it means you know a, a a more you know they can get away you know with you know a more conservative portfolio and and still make their life work, you know we would certainly advocate for that because you know why you know why take more risk than necessary, uh, especially with the you know the unknowns that come along with you know the standard deviations and you know looking into the future. Yeah, we're back to your financial circumstances and situations kind of determines 
how you go about things sort of a thing. So yeah, it, it, exactly. It's a, you know, and by the way, if you have a plan, if, and we have obviously the software, and lots of folks do, to be able to model some scenarios, you could also model a scenario and say, well, what if, what if I miss? What if I don't save enough money? Or what if I earn 5% versus the 7 that I'm hoping for? What does that look like? Well, what do you have to trade off to make all that work? Or do, are you still okay? Sort of a thing. So, so it's great to worry about returns. But there's a just a little bit of homework in your life and circumstances and retirement and college that you have to do before you even get to that point, folks. Okay. And you know that that's my point. So I got we got a few minutes for some closing comments. How much time we got here, Kirk? Ballpark? Uh, um, maybe about ten minutes. Good. We okay. still got some time. Right. So yeah, okay. So uh, so, so some some other uh, other things. Okay, so so do you have enough time? for it to work out. I've mentioned that. Hopefully you have enough time. And by the way, 10 years to own stocks wasn't enough time if you started in the year 2000. If you started in the year 2010, 10 years is a great time to own stocks because you're in 15%. Well, let's see. Roughly 1% for the first 10 years, roughly 15% for the second. What do you average if you did the 20? Yeah, about seven. Hmm. Hmm. Who knew? Mm -hmm. You know, sort of, sort of a thing. Okay. Um, so basically... For retirement, the book says as you get closer to retirement, you should lower the risk level in your portfolio. That means the percentage of stocks should get smaller. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that to a certain percent, okay, or to a certain degree, but you can't lower it below what you might need. Or what might make sense okay so there's no there's no uh, cookie cutter it applies to everybody you know that you're you you're, by this age you should be that much no it depends on your circumstances but generally speaking over time two or three or four times in your life you might kind of downshift your portfolio to get a little bit closer to retirement and a little less exciting but hopefully not a lot less unprofitable in terms of what it earns okay for a college portfolio <clears throat> you got an 18 year retirement frame right you know and so it makes sense to take a look at a college portfolio every 2 3 years in terms of kind of downshifting to get to to there because by the way those college kids are retired by the time they turn 18 and go to school. I mean, that's basically how you have to look at it. So, yeah. I mean, so, and, and just real quick, I mean, on the college stuff, I yeah, mean, you could yeah. argue that it's, you know, 18 to 21 years, or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, depe exactly. Depe exactly. Depending on when you actually yep. use the funds. But yeah, but yep. the, but your point rings true that it's a it's a it's a condensed time frame um, yep. that, that you're working with. Yeah, and so how do you plan those those downshifts? Well, pick a number. It's just a step at, a step at a time to see how it works. Okay. Uh, all right. So, um, by the way, there have been time when when we decide to downshift somebody's portfolio, it sure isn't a market guess about whether markets are going up or down. They're getting closer to retirement. And the amount of money that can go down in their portfolio, we have to be very mindful about, okay, in terms of because when folks are retired, they're taking money out of their portfolio, and they're more vulnerable to downshifts when that happens sort of a thing. So, so how do you do that? Well, it's easy to say you should do it, but when, how, and a whole bunch of other things go along with that, eh, yeah, a bit more complicated. Okay, uh, so I have some, <clears throat> some kind of cool examples Okay, did I do these? No, I think I already did those. So, uh, oh no, no. Okay, so all right. So just just to, to make some points. Okay. Um, 
uh, did I do that? Yeah, 1990. Okay, I, I guess the point is, so So here's um, here's some, oh, 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 I wanted to talk about inflation. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I wanted to talk about inflation, Kirk. Uh, and and we haven't had inflation for a bunch of years, but because of what's going on now, maybe if it comes back awful, maybe it tapers back, who mm-hmm. knows? But so I, th- th- these are some pretty scary numbers here, Kirk. So from 1972 to 1982, we had our last bout of high inflation and high interest rates. Okay. 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 U.S. stock market, 8.11% from 72 to 82. All right. It's about 8%. Okay. Yeah. Take a guess at what the inflation-adjusted return was for the <laughs> stock market for those 10 years. Uh, two. Virtually zero. Virtually zero. Virtually zero, which means that's what inflation averaged eight. for those 10 yeah, years. Yeah, eight. So, so, yeah. so folks, you, the, the big picture point here is that you have to factor inflation into your investment return. <laughs> okay. Uh, and there are some, you know, we're, are we coming into some more of those times? I certainly hope not. Okay. But anyway, the, the, the last time we had fast rising interest rates and fast inflation was in the oil shock, basically in the seventies. Okay. So, so I, I, I did a little poking around. So, so remember 8.11% for the stock market. Okay. 72 to 82, 10 year United States treasury. What was the number? Yep. Stock market's 8.11. Yeah. And this was, uh, all right. So interest rates were high? Yep. I don't know. Seven. 6.37. Okay. Okay. 30 year treasury, 1972 to 1982, a long bond, as we call it in our world. Yep. I don't know. 6.28. Okay. Cash. Put all your money in cash, 72 to 82. Uh, two. Okay. Zero. Uh, I'm sorry, 8.4. Holy jeez. Yep. Okay. So, by the way, so let, so those are the returns during the last period that might be comparable to the two years we've been talking about now. Mm. Okay. By the way, let me give you the standard deviations. All right. So, now people can get a sense of this. The stock market earns 8.11. The uh, standard deviation is 11.2. A 10-year treasury year in 6.37, standard deviation is 9.34. Not much different than the U.S. stock market. Right. A 30-year treasury is 6.28, standard deviation is 15.97. The 30-year treasury was more- That is a stock market, yeah, volatility, yeah. yeah. Think about that for a minute, okay? And then, by the way, cash- 8.4% 8.4% standard deviation, 0.95. Hmm. Easy to look back and say, should have had all your money in cash for those 10 years. Well, do we do the same thing now? I don't know. Cash, even though rates are rising, savings rates aren't. It's only 1% right now. Folks, if you park your money in cash and cash doesn't go at least to eight, you're going, you're behind. Right with 8% inflation. So it's just, it's just information that people need to kind of understand how much return do you want? How much risk do you take? Are you comfortable with that? And a biggie is how'd you make out against inflation with your money? Okay. Um, questions or comments before I move on here? Yeah. I mean, um, inflation is, is a, you know, hot topic these days. And, you know, when we 
talk to somebody about you know making a plan for the future, we have to pick a number, right? That we're going to project yep. project out. And, we and, do. And uh, you know, as as high as the numbers are now, you know, you know, six seven percent last year, uh, you know, high again this year. I just you know, if we were to use that kind of a number looking forward. Um, I don't think that that's realistic. Um, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, well, by the way, and if somebody thought that was realistic and we put it into their plan, they'd have to save a boatload more money and change their life completely. They'd probably have so, to. They'd probably have to work yeah, forever. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that's not realistic from their point of view either. Right. So that's interesting, right? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think you have to have some, you know, some faith, right, in the government, or, yep. you know, the Federal Reserve that they're gonna that they're gonna do their job and and try to keep things. Uh, at a reasonable rate. I mean, I think their their you know, their mandate is you know to try to keep inflation around two percent, and you know long term averages they've they've done that, um, and so I you know I have to believe that they'll that they'll continue to do that, uh, but sometimes it's not it doesn't happen overnight, um, but I think you know over the rest of our lives it'll you know hopefully be in that two to three percent range, and I think if we use that as a as a guesstimate that 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 should be in the ballpark. We hope. So uh, what do you do if it hits the fan and your numbers are scary? Well, the answer is nothing if you've done your homework and if you have enough time and if you have a, some a backup plan to get available. How much time? About, about two minutes? About, good. Three, about three minutes, yep. About three minutes, good. Okay. So uh, do you need to worry about inflation? The answer is absolutely yes, but maybe not as much as you're worrying about it. But let me make this very generic statement uh, that's pretty simple. Uh, the only way that you get wealthier is to have your money make more than taxes and inflation take away from it. So in order for you to get your money to grow in real purchasing power terms, you have to outpoint inflation and taxes. And if you're just even with them, you're in the same place. That's a, that's a tough hurdle. Okay. Uh, and then just momentarily, well, what about a backup plan? Well, I, okay, you know, hopefully you have some savings that you could tap into Okay, to use that, you know, if the college tuition comes due and the markets are not so good and you decide uh, I'll take the 15,000 from my emergency reserves and pay myself back in a year or two, nice place to be if you have that. So a backup plan is where do I get money if I can't or or don't want to take it from my portfolio? It would be nice if you had a bunch of cash. We talk about emergency reserves. Mm -hmm. It would be nice to have a bunch of cash and or by the way, you can also borrow that money. If you have a home equity line of credit, maybe you borrow it from your home equity line of credit and pay it back in six months or a year or two. Uh, and then maybe your portfolio comes back and you feel better about that. So if you've got time and if you've got backup, okay, you're good. Okay. Or as you're good as you can be right. given this circumstance. You know, and, okay. you know, the, que- the question that we've gotten, you know, multiple times over the last couple of years is about, you know, I have this money in the bank, you know, doing nothing, right? Because interest yeah. rates are so low and, you know, we remind people that it is doing something, right? It's, it's there as a backup, um, you know, so if you have an emergency, uh, which could be, you know, loss of a job or, you know, some, some big expense comes up that you need to cover, you don't have to be tapping into your retirement plans, uh, or, or other savings when, you know, potentially they might be down in value. So just because it's not, 
it's not really growing in paper. It it is doing something. Um, it, it allows it. By the way, it allows the rest of your money to run, and you could be have some peace of mind. So quickly, folks. Yep, you need to earn X amount of dollars on your investment returns, but you need to have a whole plan and understand your entire financial circumstances to make that work. And you have, need to have some time and need to have a backup plan just in case. And you can't do much more than that. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, you've been listening to Kirk Reed and uh, Mike McNamara. Uh, this has been McNamara on Money. Thank you and have a great weekend. 